As I was saying earlier, you've often heard me say as we began our service that we're not a religious people. And uh, so I thought, it seemed good to me that I probably have never talked in depth about that. And it seemed good to me, the Lord laid it on my heart this week to talk to you about that. Um, I understand that some hold a different view of the world uh, of the word religion. I understand that. You can look it up in the dictionary. There's a generic definition there. But I, from what I see in Scripture and from what I see in the world, to me it's a pejorative. To me it's a derogatory uh, word. It cannot, in my view, rightfully be applied to Christianity. Christianity is uh, in a category by itself. It is not like man-made religions. It's completely and utterly distinct from what is normally called world religions. As I told you a few weeks ago, uh, mankind is universally religious. Mankind worships in every culture, every place, at every time in history. Man has been religious. Uh, Historically, mankind has worshipped everything from bugs to stars. Uh, If you know a little bit of your history, you understand that's true. Mankind uh, worships everything from power to pleasure. He worships everything from Satan to the living God. Uh, Mankind is liable to worship just about anything, uh, including his agnosticism and his atheism. Uh, his naturalism or his scientism. Uh, men give themselves to all manner of worldviews. So in light of this distressing and disturbing reality about our species, it seems not only wise but ultimately necessary to make sure that we put biblical Christianity in a different category. It's unlike any other so-called religion. It is unique in the world. There is nothing like biblical Christianity. You may or may not understand this, but bear with me and let's take a look at the Scriptures. I think it's important for us to know this and to own this so we can talk about this in the world with our friends and colleagues who are caught up in religion. Because we meet them every day, don't we? So, I just want you to know that I refuse to put biblical Christianity into that discussion when a discussion about religion comes up. Christianity is not about men inventing something or someone to worship. Christianity is about worshiping the one true Creator, Redeemer, God. Christianity is not about men trying to fill the emptiness of their hearts with random affections or indiscriminate pursuits Christianity is about Jesus Christ filling up the emptiness of His people's hearts with Himself. Christianity is not about men trying to justify themselves with their religious works. Christianity is about Jesus Christ justifying His people through His finished work. These are just a few of the distinctions that I would like to draw at the outset. Man-made religion is always about man doing something. If you look up the word in the dictionary, you'll see things like this. It's about men believing and being devout and being saintly and being pious and engaging in sacred expressions, having a spiritual 
attitude, pursuing an objective and, uh, of some kind, and adhering to practices, rituals, ceremonies, etc., etc., etc. Beloved, I, I hope and trust you know that you can do all those things all your life and never know Christ. Religion, and it's the title of my sermon, is Satan's best scam. It's his best scam. He takes billions to hell with his religious schemes. Authentic Christianity, biblical Christianity, it's about God doing something. It's not about man doing something. It's about God doing something. Amen? You understand the distinction. It's about God saving His people. That's what it's about. All other world religions are men trying to justify themselves in some way or another. Or justify their lifestyle in some way or another. But biblical Christianity is God coming down and saving His people. That's I guess the biggest distinction, if we read our Bibles, we understand that God has redeemed us in the most shocking way. Men and women who were self-declared, premeditated enemies of God, He has come for us. If we read our Bibles, we understand there's nothing we could do to save ourselves. The Bible tells us that we are spiritually dead. But the Bible tells us in Ephesians 2 that Jesus Christ has made us alive. It's something that He has done. Amen? Preeminently. Yes, of course, human beings must respond to what God has done. But preeminently, it's about what God has done. It's not about what you and I have done. You know, I hear so many testimonies, and it's about me, me, me. What I did, what I did, what I did. Well, what did God do? I'd like to hear... What did God do to to make sure that you were saved for all eternity? What did God do? He's done everything. Again, I'm not diminishing the fact that we must respond. Of course, we must respond to the Gospel. But when we give our testimony, it should be 90% God, 95% God, (laughs) and 5%, yeah. Yeah. He's invaded my life. I've been changed forever. If we read our Bibles, we discover that Jesus has joyfully laid down His life for us. The groom has sacrificed Himself for His bride. So, in my view, religion is creature-made and man-centered. Whereas Christianity is God-made and God-centered. And I want you to understand this distinction. This is the divide between heaven and hell, beloved. This is an important distinction for us to see and understand. Ultimately, biblical Christianity is relational. It's knowing God. Uh, John 17.3 This is eternal life that they may know you the one true God and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. Biblical Christianity is relational, whereas man-made religion is procedural. What three things do I need to do to check my religious box to ensure that I won't go to hell? 
it really becomes much more procedural. So biblical Christianity stands utterly and completely apart from any other world religion. It is unique, as I said earlier. It's not built around, built around what you and I have done. It's built around what Jesus Christ has done. So, if Jesus is, as the Bible so clearly reveals, the one true Creator God, why is there so much confusion about this in the world? Where did all this spiritual muddle originate? Where did it come from? I thought it would be helpful to trace this back to its origins in Scripture. Why do religions, man-made, creature-spawned, we'll say, religions, why do they exist? And where do they originate? While God doesn't give a lot of ink to this in His Word, it's unmistakably clear where it originates. So, um, you guys, some of you are familiar with Ezekiel 28, 12-17. Many, if not most, conservative theologians believe that the lamentation over the king of Tyre here in uh, Ezekiel 28 reaches past him and to the source of ultimate evil, which is Satan himself. Some of you will be familiar with Ezekiel 28, 12-17. Uh, just to summarize, um, we could assume that Satan was the most beautiful and most perfect creature ever to come from the hand of God if we read this text and understand that it's talking about Satan. The text says that he was the anointed cherub who covers. He was in a privileged and honored position in close proximity to God and the throne of God. The text says that he was beautiful, he was blameless, and he was wise. And then the text says, until, and some of you know, until unrighteousness was found in him and he sinned. In Ezekiel 28:17, God says to Satan, Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. So I cast you to the ground. As some of you know, Isaiah 14 gives us more insight into Satan's sin. Again, Many, if not most, sound biblical theologians agree that this text is reaching past the king of Babylon and is actually talking about Satan himself. Isaiah 14, 12-14 says this, Have you fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn? You have been cut down to the earth. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God and I will sit on the mount of assembly. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High God. This is the angelic being who has fallen. His name is Satan. It's one of the primary frequently asked questions of, that, that I get and every uh, Christian minister gets around the world, if God is good, why does evil exist in the world? Well, we have at least part of the answer here in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14. Satan is part of the short answer. 
Because of Satan's rebellion. Now, who would be the other part of the short answer? What other being would be the other part of the short answer? Uh, you and I, right? Mankind, and we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. If God is good, why does evil exist in the world? The short answer is that God created free will, moral creatures who departed from good. You understand? Sound biblical theologians would say something like this. Let me just read this to you. Evil arose from the moral choices of the good, but mutable. Everybody know what mutable means? It means changeable. God is unchanging. He's unchangeable. He's, he's immutable. But we, angels and men, are mutable. Let me just start again. Evil arose from the moral choices of the good but mutable creatures God created. Evil could not have arisen from God's immutable goodness, only from the mutable goodness of His creatures. The good creature chose to depart from goodness. And I'll just acknowledge, I'm going to teach maybe more than I preach tonight, okay? I um, just want you to understand, I want to make sure that we, we get some of these concepts. Another way people ask this question is, why did God create evil? I don't know if you've ever been asked this question. Why does God create evil? Well, let me ask you, is evil a created thing? I love the analogy uh, with hot, uh, pardon me, with, with darkness and, and, and cold. You know, is, darkness is the absence of what? Darkness is actually no thing. It's simply the absence of a thing. It's the absence of light. So cold is, is what? It's the absence of what? So cold is actually no thing, right? It's simply the absence of heat. And I would submit to you, I love these analogies, I would submit to you that evil is no created thing. Listen to me carefully. It is... Free, it is the free will absence of the love of God in the creature's heart from which evil has arisen. You understand? I'll read it to you again. In my view, evil is no created thing. It is the free will absence of the love of God in the creature's heart from which evil arises. It is blasphemous to say evil came from God. It is equally blasphemous to say evil did not come by God. Because if we, if we say that it got around God somehow, what are we saying? We're saying that evil is sovereign and that evil is more powerful and that evil can circumvent the, the, the ordination and design of God. Which is, if we understand our Bibles, blasphemous to say. So God, it's, it's saying that God was not able to stop His creature's from not loving Him. Do you understand? I'm going to say it again. It's saying that God was not able to stop His creatures from not loving Him. Certainly God was able to, he was able to stop His creatures from not loving Him. He was just unwilling to do that. If His creatures chose not to love Him, God let them go. God gave us free will. He gave Adam and Eve free will. He gave, he gave the angels free will. And I think that's a good way to think about it. good way to talk about it. So Satan chooses to love God no more. He says, I'll have no God over me. 
This is what every rebel says, whether they articulate the words or not. Every angelic rebel and every human rebel says, I'll have no God over me. That's what is said every time. Even when we sin, we're rebelling against God. Of course, as Christians in Christ, Christ has received our penalty for our sin. But Satan says, I'll not love God preeminently anymore. I'll love myself. Same thing Adam and Eve said in the garden. The same thing you said when you became conscious enough to begin to sin against God. Willfully sin against God. I don't care what God says. I really don't care what God says. In fact, I could care less what God says. I'll do what I want to do. It's satanic. It's demonic. And of course, we know it's in the human stream as well. So this is the deal that Satan sold to, to mankind. You guys know the story. Um, it, brings up, you know, it brings up humanity's role in the evil that we see on the planet Today, Adam and Eve were living in a sin-free paradise in perfect communion and fellowship with God. They had one prohibition. They had one prohibition. It's not like they had a thousand rules to remember. They had one thing to remember. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't do that. Everything else is yours. Right? And Satan comes. Let's just go to the text if you have a Bible or electronic device. Genesis 3. Famous text, the fall of man. Genesis 3, I'm going to begin there in verse 1. You guys know it. But let's just revisit it for a minute. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, as God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of... The trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you surely shall not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and Evil. One of the most interesting things about this text, I don't know if you've ever noticed it, this is the first question in the Bible. <laughs> Did you ever notice that? Heretofore, there was no need for a question. Adam and Eve simply enjoyed God. They enjoyed all the blessings of God. There was no need for a question. The first question comes from the adversary. The first question comes from Satan. Satan says, Indeed has God said. So, what is Satan attacking? Someone tell me. What is he attacking? God's Word. It's why we preach God's Word here. Because you're not going to get God's Word out there. Rarely. And even in many so-called Christian churches, you get a dumbed-down version of the Word. I see him preaches the Word because we got to have the Word. Eve had everything she needed to face down her angelic adversary. What did she have? Someone tell me what she had. She had the Word. 
She had all she needed. Beloved, I challenge you every time you come in here, you've got to be a student of the Word of God. It's your sword. It's your shield. It's your weapon against the evil one. Any attack on the Word of God, it's always demonic. (laughs) It started in the garden. And Satan continues to attack the 66 books of Scripture. He never ceases to attack it. He attacks it from the outside of the church and he attacks it from the inside of the church. People who refuse to bow to the clear teachings of Scripture and they want to go their own way, they want to do what they want to do. They call themselves Christians, but they won't bow to what God has clearly said. So clearly, Satan is seeking to paint God in a negative light. By his questions, he's insinuating that that God is just some kind of arbitrary control freak who's seeking to limit Eve and her free will, even though the fact of the matter is everything else is hers, right? Everything is hers. (laughs) Everything is hers, except that one tree. Satan is raising implicit questions about God's character. And if you're a sinner in here tonight, and I know every one of you are, just as I am, a sinner, you understand this rationale. You understand this line of thinking. You've heard it in your head. Satan is raising these, these, these questions about God's character and about God's purpose and about God's goodness. He says, why would God restrict you? In this way. It doesn't seem fair. You ever heard that? In your head? It doesn't seem right that God has restricted you. Shouldn't you be able to exercise your free will? Shouldn't you be able to do whatever you want? If He was a good God, He would let you do whatever you want. He would let you to, you know, He would let you explore your your inner self and, you know, stare at your navel and, and find nirvana or whatever you want to do. You know, have sex with as many people as I want. Crush as many people as I need for power. You know, I just want to express myself. Why should God limit me and my joy and my pleasure and my happiness? Has anybody ever heard this in their head? Come tell me at the end of the service if you haven't. I've heard it in my head. Why is God limiting My free will. How can a God like this be trusted? How can you trust a God who would limit my free will? Verse 2 and 3, Eve makes a very weak reply. You know, she makes a very weak reply. She, as I said, she had all that she needed. You know, she could have simply said, hey, God said it. God said it. That's enough for me. Let me ask you, is it enough for you? You say, Jim, that's, that's a hard teaching, man. I can't go to the university and say that. Well, let me ask you, why not? I can't tell my friend that. I'll lose the friendship. I'll be seen as intolerant. I'll be seen as a Bible-thumping maniac. Beloved, you know, 
it takes courage to be a Christian. You know, I, I talked about it last week, right? Remember the word pluck? Somebody tell me. If you were at Young Adult Bible Study, you know what the word pluck means. What? Courage. courage. You gotta, it, it takes courage to be, to be a Christian in this day and age. When everything God says in His Word, almost everything in His Word, it's, it's cross-cultural. There was a day and age in my time, I'm 60 years old, so I remember when the culture I grew up in was more or less in agreement with what God pretty much had to say. Not all, not all of it, but a large percentage of it. Now that I approach my 60th year, <laughs> it's completely changed. It's completely changed. So Eve could have simply said, I love God, I trust God. That's enough. Depart from me. I love him and I trust him. I don't understand it all, but I love him and I trust him. She could have simply said, he always has my best interest at heart. Even if this feels like a restriction, even if this feels like it's not the right way to go, I love him, I trust him, I'll do what he says. Right? Verse 4, Satan moves beyond questioning God's word to simply denying God's Word. He says, Satan says, God's lying to you. He's lying to you. You will not die. You will not die. In fact, you'll be like God. He's pretty good at his job. The underlying implication in Satan's attack is that God and what God says cannot be trusted. You know better than God. Culture knows better than God. The commentator on TV knows better than God. The professor at the university knows better than God. Just about everybody knows better than God these days. Because everybody is going in a complete Opposite direction from the Word of God. Let me finish here. Verses 6 and 7 of Genesis, just this part of the, of the sermon. Verse 6, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her and he ate and the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin covering. Some would assert that human religion is born right here in verse 7. Do you see it? What did they do? They tried to cover their shame and their nakedness and their guilt before God. They tried to do it. Remember what I said at the outset? Human religion, man-made religion, is about what I do. Biblical Christianity is about what God did. So do you see it right here in verse 7? They thought they could sew up some fig leaves, right? They'd lost their naked innocence before God because they have rebelled and sinned against Him. So they cover their nakedness. It's the impetus and motivation and incentive of most human religion. So, 
I just want to review. I never want you to forget what happens here in Genesis chapter 3. So I'm going to ask you some questions. Why did mankind fall from this created state of naked innocence before God? Where did Satan attack? What did Eve have with which she could have repelled his attack? What had God given to her? What is this whole episode about? We've already said it, but let's say it again. What is this whole episode about? It's about the Word of God. That's why, again, at ICM, we don't build the service around great music. We've got some, some good music and some good, some good uh, musicians. We don't build our service around you know, political or, or cultural events. We're not trying to put on a show here. That's not what we do. I try to tell you with integrity what God, God's Word says, and I hope that you can simply see it on the page. You know, if I'm up here saying something you can't see on the page, you need to challenge me on it. You don't need to believe it because I say it. You need to believe it because God said it. And because you see it on this miraculous book that God wrote and preserved for you. It's His gift to you. It's His love letter to you. You have all you need to fight the adversary, to stand before men, and yes, to step into eternity. <laughs> to be in His presence forever. You have all that you need. Human, humanity is pretty easy prey. Satan has never had to change his tactics. He just questions God's character, God's goodness, and God's Word. And mankind blindly follows this Pied Piper. You see it every time you turn on the media. You hear the Pied Piper. Popular music, popular movies. You hear the Pied Piper. The message is there. Just do what you want. It's all about you. You deserve it. I told the young adults a couple of weeks ago, we went back to the States over the, over the holidays, and I was struck. I was struck by all the commercials. Did you know that every American deserves everything? If you listen to the commercials, every American deserves everything. You should have everything. Right? <laughs> you know, this whole me-centered thing, it's, it's yeah, it's... It would be funny if it weren't so tragic. So Satan challenges the Word of God. I could do a 52-week sermon on this. You know, the, the, the rise of man-made religion in the Scripture. Let me just give you a few quick bullet points. From Cain's faithless and indifferent offerings to God, to the debased humanism of pre-flood mankind, to the abject rebellion at the Tower of Babel, to the perverse and unnatural hedonism of Sodom and Gomorrah, to the golden calf worship of the exiled Jews at the foot of Mount Sinai, to the two calves of King Jeroboam set up at Bethel, to the apostate Judaism of the Pharisees which murdered the Son of God, to the dogs and evil workers seeking to distort the New Testament Gospel. Now, some of you will remember if you've been around recently that dogs and evil workers is what Paul called the Judaizers who were trying to add to the Gospel. They were trying to add you know, man-made works to the Gospel. That's where that comes from. All these biblical accounts have one thing in common. It is a rejection of revealed truth. 
And anytime you encounter resistance to revealed truth, you know who you're encountering. You're encountering Satan. I know we don't like to talk like this. We're too sophisticated to talk like this, it seems like, in many circles. But this is simply what the Bible teaches, beloved. It's simply what the Bible teaches. It's a premeditated rejection of God's revealed truth and God's Word. I can almost hear some of you asking this question in your mind. Well, what about mankind at large? You know, after the Tower of Babel, the, the men who were scattered over the face of the whole earth, what about those beyond the geographic scope of the biblical revelation? How could they know what God had said? Well, that's why I had Bless and read the Romans chapter 1. I'm going to reread it. Romans chapter 1, 18 to 22. Here, God addresses the guilt of every human being who's ever walked the planet. Romans chapter 1, 18 to 22. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who what? What do these men do? What has all of mankind done since Adam and Eve? Suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God... Someone tell me what the Bible says. That which is known about God is what? We know it! We've always known it! Everybody knows it! It's not that men don't know, it's that men do know, beloved. This is the truth of Scripture. It's not that men don't understand, it's that they do understand. And they'll have no God. I'll have no God over me. You know, it's not that people don't believe in the God of the Bible, they don't like Him. This may be new to some of you. Don't trust me. You study it out for yourself. It's not that men don't understand about Jesus. They don't like Jesus. I, my, uh, my spiritual mentor wrote a thing about hell the other day. and He posted it on his site. And he, was in, he was in this place where he was in complete darkness and it made him start thinking about hell. You know, and I'll, I'll try to make this short, but this is not in my notes. This is free stuff for you. But... Um, he, he, he's, he's, he's writing the thoughts of, a, of an occupant of hell, this fictional occupant of hell. And this, this, this occupant says, man, I wish, I wish I'd have made a profession of faith in Christ. But then he says, right after that, he says, but how could I? I hate him. I hate him. It's like C.H. Lewis says, the, the doors of heaven are locked on the inside. Men will not come out of hell if they have to worship Jesus. Okay, let me finish the quote. Actually, the Romans 1, 18-22. That which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them, for since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, His divine nature, has been clearly seen, being understood through that which has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts were dark and professing to be wise, they became fools. I tell you all the time, we were made by Jesus Christ and for Jesus Christ, Colossians 1.16, and Jesus Christ tells us right here in His Word that He has made every human being intuitively and instinctively to know that He is our Creator. We know it. It's it's written on our hearts. It's written on our souls. It's written on our conscience. It's written on our minds. We know it. 
You know, I, I've said this to you many times, and I, I say this to some guys, you know, I'll make sure I have a relationship before I say this. But, you know, you may be a liar, but you're not an atheist, you know? God's never made an atheist. Do you understand? He's never made an agnostic. He's never made an atheist. They know. It's written on their heart. What does the word conscience mean? It comes from the Latin. The English word conscience, it comes from the Latin. It means, pardon me? It means with knowledge. Every human being has this knowledge. Every human being has this knowledge. I'll just, Romans 1.30. Let me just give you a couple of excerpts. Romans is such a powerful book so, so that we can really understand our own hearts and the heart of mankind. Romans 1.30, we're haters of God. Romans 3.11, there are none who seek for God. You know, some people paint mankind like, we're just trying to find Him. Man, if I could just find Him. If we believe our Bibles, we understand. Natural man's not looking. Romans 3.12 there's none who do good. Romans 3.18 There's no fear of God before their eyes. Beloved, this is who mankind is. It's not that men don't know. They do know. We all know. We've all always known. You and I and the native in the jungle in South America and the guy in Mongolia, the guy in Siberia, we're all in the same place. Now, I benefit from the fact that, that I, I'm hearing the truth. Amen? But we all know our Creator is there. This is what the Word of God is saying to us. So from God's Word... Uh, in Romans, we clearly see that every form of human religion is ultimately direct rebellion against the Word of God. It's a rebellion against Jesus Christ and His reign. So why did I begin the discussion about religion with the fall of Satan? Why did I begin there? Because Satan is the author of every man-made religion. Satan and his fellow demons love religion. As I said to you before, it's their best scam. I can almost see him laughing, making up stupid stuff that men would believe. If you just Google things that men believe, you just can't imagine how stupid, inane, and cartoonish much of this is. I know it must be his favorite pastime. You can always tell a Satan-inspired, man-made religion when you see one. And here's the, here's the key thing. It's what they say about Jesus. That's it. It's what they say about Jesus. If they say He's less than God Himself, it's demonic. If they say He was merely a prophet, it's demonic. If they say He's only a God among many other gods, it's demonic. If they say He was a false Messiah, it's demonic. If they alter or diminish what the Bible says about Him in any way at all, it's demonic. If they simply ignore Him as irrelevant, it is demonic. You say, Jim, that's very strong. I know it's very strong. But I'm not really here, you know, 
to tickle your ears. I told you that last week. I couldn't in good conscience do that. I'm supposed to love you enough to tell you the truth, let you deal with it, and then go out in the world and live the implications of it. Amen? That's my job. <laughs> That's my job. If a religion tells either an explicit or implicit lie about Jesus Christ, we know where that religion comes from. It comes from Satan. He is the father of lies. I was reading it in John 8 just while the, the guys were singing. <laughs> you know, he's the father of lies. If it's a lie about Jesus, mark it down. He wrote it. He wrote it. So we understand um, from what God has told us in the Bible that all world religions which do not hold what the Bible says about Jesus Christ to be true, they are satanic. If any religion contradicts what the Bible has clearly revealed about Jesus, it is demonic. I know it's blunt to speak this way. I know that such a forthright assertion is alien to some of you and, may not, and some of you may be uncomfortable with what I'm saying. But again, don't believe me. Read your Bible and understand it. That, the Bible is my only appeal. I have no other appeal. And I know in a pluralistic and politically correct day in which we live, we're not supposed to say things like this. We're supposed to love people. You know, we're not supposed to love people enough to tell them the truth. We're just supposed to pat them on the head and say, everything's great, you know. It's all okay. Believe what you want. It's just different paths to the same God. Amen? Isn't that what we hear all the time? Who wants mankind to believe that? The adversary. Can you not love your friends and colleagues enough when you see them drinking from a poison well to say, hey, that stuff will kill you. Can we not love the people around us enough? Beloved, there's a reason you've been given the truth. There's a reason I've been given the truth. God expects me to tell it. He expects you to tell it. You say, Jim, it's too hard in this culture. It's too hard in the modern world. Listen, who said it was going to be easy? Jesus never said it was going to be easy to go with Him. He never said that. He never made that promise that it was going to be easy to take a stand in the world and have people hate you and castigate you and say all manner of evil about you. But what does Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, Blessed are you when men say all manner of evil because you stand with me. Blessed are you for your reward in heaven is great. Amen? Jesus never said it was going to be easy. He never said that. In fact, He said the opposite. He said it would be hard. Listen, I got a great quote. Before sake of time, I'm not going to read it. It's Robbie Zacharias. If you want it, you come tell me or drop me an email. I'll send it to you. It's Robbie saying, it's crazy to say that all religions are the same. He says, you know, even religions, even all the religions don't say they're the same. They don't ever make this claim that they're the same. He said they're different. They all make some objective proposition of who God is and how we should live. You know, he says, let me just finish. It says, 
Truth cannot be all-inclusive. I know the world tells us it can, but he's right. Truth cannot be all-inclusive. Truth, by definition, excludes the false. So if Jesus speaks truth, then he is God, for he clearly can't claim to be God. Before Abraham was, somebody tell me, before Abraham was, what? I am. This assertion that he was a prophet or a teacher? It's like C.S. Lewis says, he was either a lunatic or he's God. There's really no place in the middle if we read the Bible and understand it. So any religion that says anything any different that, other than that Jesus is God, and all of them do, it's false. If a religion is false, it's not true. If it's not true, it's a lie. If it's a lie, it originates from the father of lies, that being Satan. If we believe what the Bible says, all human religions are demonic. That's why I began this discussion with Satan. He has concocted every myth, every legend, every fable, every fiction, and every lie. And he's dressed it up in the guise of religion. So I hope that you'll never forget how religion began. It began with the premeditated sin of a beautiful angelic creature. And it became part of the human experience through one simple question. What was the question? Anybody remember? Indeed, has God said? <laughs> it's a question you're going to... If you're a, a visible Christian in the world, and that's really the only kind there truly are, if you're out there and you're speaking His name, um, yeah, you're going to hear this. Did God really say that? Yes, He did. We say it in love. Yes, He said it. Yes, He said it. You know, I'm not, listen, I'm not saying you go out and you, you encounter your Muslim friends, your Jewish friends, and your Hindu friends, and your Buddhist friends. And, you know, obviously we use wisdom and, and discretion and discernment here. But we need to understand what's at stake here. It's the Word of God against the Word of Satan. That's what's at stake. It's who Jesus is. That's really what is at stake, beloved. So, when you come to ICM, Lord willing, with God's help and enablement, I will stand in this place and try to preach the Word of God to you. I will say to you that Jesus is God with no qualifications. I will say to you that He's Creator, He's Redeemer, He's King of kings and Lord of lords. I will say to you that He is the incarnate, crucified, buried, resurrected, ascended, reigning, returning, sovereign God of heaven and earth before whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, including the damned. That's what I'll say to you. And I'll challenge you. It's time to stop worrying about being politically correct. And it's time to start worrying about addressing those two tragedies we talked about last week. What were the two foremost tragedies in the world that we talked about last week? Does anybody remember? God is profaned and men are perishing. That's why you're still on the planet. You're supposed to be out in the world making sure that the name of Jesus is magnified and the Gospel's being presented that God may be honored, His profane name in this world may be honored, and that men may come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and be saved. That's your primary function on this planet. Everything else is way down here. 
I know we have subordinate responsibilities. But everything flows out of those two things. Everything else flows out of those two things. We need to be able to stand and with love call a lie a lie. The world hates this. Jesus said the world would hate this because you are of the truth. Jesus said the world will hate you and persecute you because it hated me and persecuted me first. And you belong to me. Beloved, we're supposed to know this and we're supposed to expect this. We're not supposed to be surprised. But we are supposed to speak the truth in love, build the relationship, gain the right to share truth. We don't just run up to people and slap them upside the head and tell them, you know, and say you're involved in a demonic religion. I mean, you know, sometimes I feel like doing that, but that's not very effective. <laughs> so, anyway, next week we'll talk about how this kind of thing has bled into what is known as Christendom, okay? How many denominations that are called Christian have also left the truth. They are leaving and are leaving the truth. They have devolved into something less than what Jesus Christ has called His church to be. And He's called us to stand on the truth, to stand on the Word of God. So it seemed wise to talk about false religion uh, at large. Next week we'll talk about false religion that has a Christian label on it. Pseudo-Christianity that we've talked about many, many times. If you have any questions, let me know. Let's pray together. Lord, thank You for giving us the truth. What a gift. What a gift. Thank You for giving us the Spirit so we can rightly divide the, tr the Word of Truth. Thank You for this day and age when we can have the Bible in our hands, we can have it in our laps, and we can sweat blood over the text, and we can understand what You are saying to us. We can understand what You are saying to the world. Father, forgive us if we've been lackadaisical or haphazard or lukewarm about being in Your Word and being changed by it and understanding the deep things that You have said to us. Lord God, I pray that each one of us would, would leave this place with a renewed inclination and purpose to speak truth in the world. Lord, we know that's why You've left us here. We understand that's our job. You've called us to be disciples. Not in our spare time, but all the time. So help us, Father, for each one of us in this room, as You know, You know we are weak. But Father, You have entrusted the truth to us. I pray we would be good stewards. We would be good stewards. We would love people enough to share truth. Help us, great God, we pray, in the matchless name of Christ. Amen.